0: Take your Bible tonight and turn to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. I'll give you a moment to find Zechariah. Uh, It may not be the book that you're used to turning to. If you get to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, you just go back a few pages and you'll find the book of Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet of God who prophesied during a very difficult time in the history of the nation of Israel. If you know anything about Israel's history in the Bible, you'll know that there was a time that Judah was carried off into captivity in Babylon. Maybe you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, or the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These events took place as the children of Israel were there in captivity in Babylon, which of course then Persia took over, Medo-Persia, all the different kingdoms there. But there was a group of the Israelites that were allowed under King Cyrus that were allowed to come back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, and with the goal of rebuilding the temple and seeing Jerusalem built up once again. And we read about some of those events like in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, remember as they were rebuilding the temple with Zerubbabel, and, uh, and then Nehemiah came back to help rebuild the wall around um, Jerusalem. Some of you are looking at me with blank stare. You say, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. I'm trying to help us all kind of get up to the same starting point here. But think about this. If your nation, right, the people that you love, the, your family had been carried off by a foreign power, right? And so now you have to learn a new language new customs, a new way of living. And this had gone on. They'd been in captivity for 70 years. And then after this time, that foreign nation allows some of the people that had been carried off into captivity, and obviously their descendants by this point, some of their people to go back to the homeland so that they could rebuild the kingdom. Well, that was what was taking place when we get to the book of Zechariah. Some of the people had been allowed back from Babylon to go back to Jerusalem with the purpose of rebuilding the city. But if you think about what you might be like after having spent all those years and really probably one or two generations have passed by, what you would be like, your your morale would probably not be very high. You'd probably be discouraged. You probably wouldn't have a lot of financial resources, right? Because you'd been in captivity for all of these years. Probably a lot of disorganization, not a lot of strong leadership, not a lot of established businesses like if you needed to call and order some more bricks, there wouldn 't have been a company that 's already established you 'd have had to go out and you 'd have to cut the rocks and and make them to the right size and Can you imagine just trying to rebuild a war torn ravaged place it, it would be kind of like if we were to Get on a plane today and travel over to some of these places in the Middle East, like Afghanistan and and Iraq and places that have been and seen lots and lots of war and fighting, and you were tasked with the job of trying to rebuild these places. It would be a very difficult thing, wouldn't it? And it could tend to be a very discouraging thing, and that's exactly where the children of Israel were during this time. They were discouraged. They had gone back trying to rebuild their land. Zerubbabel, you see at the top of your notes, there were three key people that God used here in this book. One was Zechariah. He was God's prophet. One was Zerubbabel. He was the governor. He was the leader of the people. And the third one was a man by the name of Joshua. Now, when I say the name Joshua, you may think, wait a minute. Is that the Joshua that you know, crossed the Red Sea and saw the walls of Jericho fall? No, different Joshua, same name, different guy, lived thousands of years apart from one another, and this Joshua was the high priest. So tonight we're going to look at some things about how God used these three men together to fulfill his plan, and we'll see how they did this, not as they worked in their own strength, but as they served in the strength that only the Holy Spirit can give. Now, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights for a little while, you know we've been studying through the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. He's that third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And often the Holy Spirit's misunderstood, misapplied, and we don't really understand what the Holy Spirit does many times. And God's Word, though, has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. And it's not just restricted to the New Testament, that's why I wanted you to see tonight here in one of the Old Testament prophets one of the great truths that we can learn about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So all three of these men, Zechariah, Zerubbabel, and Joshua, they all held a pivotal place in the history of the nation of Israel. And their lives converged at a very critical time as God used all three men together in a very unique way to encourage the people to see the temple rebuilt. Now, there's not time to take you through all of the verses that describe this, but let me catch you up. So you know that they've come back from captivity. They're trying to rebuild the land. In fact, you can go back and read this. They had laid the foundation of the temple. But now there had been a, a gap of about 16 years and no construction had taken place on the temple. Now, most of you have lived in Houston for a while. Remember how long it took them to work on 290 out here? It's probably more than 16 years. I feel like it's been my whole life. I don't know. Some of you who have lived out that way, Julie, Michael, I don't know how many years they've been working on 290. It just takes forever. And you know how discouraging it is when they tear it all up and all it, it is is a mess and orange you know, traffic uh, cones and, and barrels out there. And you think, when is this ever going to be completed? There, there's probably not too many things more discouraging than a building that's just a foundation and now years and years go by and nothing is ever accomplished on it. That's where these people were. They're discouraged. They're disorganized. They're probably disillusioned by this point. They came back with some desire to see this work done. They got the foundation laid. But now 16 years have gone by, and the work has been at a standstill for all of this time. Can you imagine what the people might have been thinking? You know, what are we doing here? I thought we were God's chosen people. Does God care for us anymore? You ever got to a place in your life where you just wonder, God, it seems like everything's still. Nothing's taking place. Nothing positive's happening. I just feel stuck. That's where these people were. They were stuck. In fact, look at chapter 4 with me. It says in verse number 7, Who art thou, O great mountain? So we'll look at the rest of this verse in a minute. But the reason this question was asked is because to the people, as they looked at the work that needed to be accomplished, it looked like a giant mountain that could not be moved. You ever felt like that? The the task in front of you just seems so big, it's impossible, nothing's ever going to change it. In fact, it had been 16 years and nothing had happened. It was like a giant mountain. So this is where these people were at. They're discouraged, the nations in disarray, the work of God was halted, but God had other plans. God intended to empower these men, these people, so that the mountain, as you see in the next part of verse 7, the mountain would become a plain, a plain, a flat space of ground. This gigantic mountain is going to be turned into a plain. This thing that looks impossible, that cannot be overcome, that's insurmountable, is going to be made a plain. How was God going to do this? What was that great mountain? What was this rebuilding of the temple and trying to revitalize the work of God in Jerusalem? We look around us today and we say, wow, we live in a nation that needs God, that needs to hear from God. God, how are we ever going to do this work? We look at a world that's lost and dying without Christ. What could we ever do? It seems like a mountain that cannot be moved. But my friends, I'm here to tell you tonight, while it is a great and difficult mountain, with the Holy Spirit's power, God can take insurmountable mountains and turn them into plains, turn them into flat ground that is passable in His strength, by His power. So let's look back at the beginning of chapter 4. I want you to follow along with me through verses one through five because the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and he shows him a vision. In fact, if you study the whole book of Zechariah, you'll see it's a series of visions that God gave Zechariah and then Zechariah would in turn preach these to the people to encourage them and challenge them about the work of the Lord. So let's look at this vision, verse number 1 of chapter 4. It says, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me, as a man that is waked out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? Zechariah, what do you see? And I said, I have looked, and behold a candlestick, all of gold. With a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me, <coughs> excuse me, answered and said unto me, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. All right, we've got to visualize this together because this vision is kind of hard to understand if you can't get a mental picture of what's going on here tonight. So we've used some children to help on Wednesday night, so I need a couple teens to help me. Uh, Grant and Thomas, can you help me? You guys are tall. And, and, and Gabriel, you can come help me. And, and, and Trevor, we'll let you come help me tonight too. I'll get these boys up here and, and they can help me with this. Now, you're going to have to really stretch your imaginations, but these going to help us. So Grant, you stand on this side. And Thomas, you stand over here. Trevor, you stand behind me. And Gabriel, stand right here in front of me. So we see the picture, all right? What's the first part of the vision that they see? He says a candlestick, all of gold. So this is no longer Gabriel. This is a candlestick made of gold, right? I picked you because you're the most beautiful one. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding on no, anyway. you. He's the candlestick of gold here, all right? So imagine this is the candlestick, and it says there's a bowl upon the top of it. So Trevor, you're gonna be the bowl on top of it. So you have to make the bowl here on top of the candlestick. All right, so we got a candlestick of gold with a bowl on top of it, right? And then it says his seven lamps thereon. So this candlestick, you're gonna give us your your you can give us seven, seven lamps. So these are these are, you know, where we would light all the fires on the candlestick here, right? And and the bowl of, of gold on the top. And, and then what else here? Oh, two olive trees. These are my olive trees here tonight. Olive tree one and olive tree two. That's better than thing one and thing two, right? So, all right, olive trees. You got to give me some good branches here so we can see. And And, and on these olive trees, we have lots of olives, that are growing. And and so these olive trees are upon the right side of the bowl and upon the left side of the bowl. Now, there's also a little more description here, but I didn't know how to do it with people because did you notice it talks about pipes and things running together? So from these um, olive trees, we have pipes running down to this bowl. And then this bowl is it's all, there's a lot of plumbing here in the Bible. Jeremiah's not here tonight, but he would appreciate this. And the pipes run down, and they're feeding the seven candlesticks here so that this candlestick can stay lit, all right? What did candlesticks burn to stay lit, right? They, they burned oil, right? And so the oil is coming from these olive trees, right? And they would produce the olives and then the olive oil would run down into this bowl and then it'd run down through the plumbing system in this candlestick and then it would come out and it would be burned with the fire here that was on the candlestick. I know there's a lot going on here. I looked online for artist renditions of this and all kinds of other stuff and it was pretty interesting, all the different versions of this. So I thought this would be just as good as any artist rendition. Any of you, if you need to get a picture of this, you can so you remember what it looks like. So when you study your Bible and save this in your notes, so when you study Zechariah 4, this is what comes up. Look at all those cameras. They just came out everywhere. All right. I'm just having fun with you guys. All right. Stay up here for just a minute, though, because I want everybody to understand what these different things represent, because the Bible here tells us. Did you hear the angel ask the question? He said, what are these? I'm sorry. First of all, He spoke to the angel, I'm getting this backwards, saying, what are these, my Lord? And the angel said, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, no, my Lord. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, I'm in verse 6, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. He was the governor. Zechariah is speaking. He said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now jump down to verse number 11 we'll come back and look at these other verses then answered I and said unto him what are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side olive tree 1 olive tree 2 what are these olive trees he answered and said verse 13 knowest thou not what these be and I said no my Lord then said he these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So these two anointed ones, these were Zerubbabel and Joshua. We can go to in Zechariah and see this: this priest and this governor that were the anointed ones, God's chosen men that he had chosen to use them. So we'll let you don't have to be Olive Tree One anymore. Now you can be Zerubbabel. That's a cool name. Zerubbabel and Joshua. All right. Grant, so now you're Joshua. So these olive trees are representing these two men. As God was going to work through them, he calls them his anointed ones, right? These olive trees produce olives, the oil runs down through the pipes into the golden bowl that catches the oil and it runs down through the candlestick that then represents God. As, as working through the nation of Israel, often the nation of Israel is used to uh, described as a candlestick, right and so we have this light now the question is, what is the oil right? And that answer is given for us back in number verse number six. he says, "Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord so think about this. Were the olive trees doing the work here? No, they just, they produce olives, but it's the oil from those olives running down is what keep kept this lampstand burning. The oil is the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit, though, working through His two anointed ones, Zerubbabel and Joshua. And we have this golden lampstand representing God's people, the nation of Israel, that's still able to shine as God is working through them. And Trevor, the golden bowl, it doesn't have any particular thing. It's just part of the plumbing that God used to get the oil down to the lampstand. So thank you guys for helping us visualize this tonight. Because I read this passage over and over and over, and I thought, this is one of these complicated visions that unless you can visualize it, and I hope next time you read it, you don't just imagine Gabriel and Grant and Thomas and Trevor, but that you can kind of see the picture here. You've got two trees, you've got this golden lampstand, you've got this bowl, and all these pipes running this oil down through it all. So, how does this help us? Well, notice with me back in verse number 6. We've already read it a couple times. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The word might refers to military might or what people can do together. But this remnant, the, the group of people that were there in Israel, they had no army. In fact, they weren't allowed to have an army. If they'd try to put an army together, they would just have come back in and wiped them out. So he says, not by might. The Power here refers to the strength. Of the individual, Zerubbabel, he's the governor. You would think he's a powerful guy. But his strength was probably waning after 16 years of work not being able to be accomplished. He's a leader that's a tired leader. So I put four points down for you in your notes. Number one is this, working together is not enough to overcome any difficulty. We live in a society today that says, well, as long as we all get together and work together, everything will be okay. Well, that's true to a point. You can overcome some things working together with others, but I would say like in the situation that these people were in, working together was not enough for them to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. They did not have enough wherewithal in an Of themselves even working together to accomplish this work they didn't have the strength they didn't have the resources they didn't have the physical resources the financial resources this was a remnant these people were broken so working together is not enough to overcome every difficulty number two he also says not by power I would say it this way, working in your own strength is not enough to overcome every difficulty. Not by might, nor by power. I look around this room tonight, and knowing many of you as I do, there are a lot of strong individuals here tonight. A lot of you have worked through some very difficult things. Some of you are currently working through some very difficult things. You're strong people but you're not strong enough. We are not strong enough in our own strength to overcome every difficulty. So what we see here is it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Number three there, working in the strength of God's spirit is what will give The victory. Working in the strength of God's Spirit is what will give the victory. Now, look with me at verses 7 through 10. We started out in verse 7, now we're back to it. He asked this question Who art thou, O great mountain? This insurmountable thing that we cannot overcome. Who are you? He says, Before Zerubbabel, thou, you mountain, you'll become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings crying grace, grace unto it. Now that phrase you may say, what is he talking about? The headstone, this would have been the the top piece of the building of the temple. That that crowning stone that would have gone on the top of the temple as it was being completed. So what is he saying here? This thing that looks impossible, God's going to make it easy. God's going to make it plain. And in fact, you're going to bring out the capstone, the headstone, the top piece, the last stone is going to be put in place, and you're going to cry out grace, grace unto it. In other words, to say, it was not us that did this. It was only by God's grace. What an amazing statement. Now, understand, when Zechariah was declaring this as he had received this vision from the Lord, none of this had taken place yet. He's encouraging the people. He's saying, you're not going to be able to accomplish this work in your own strength. You're not going to be able to accomplish this all by just getting together and working together. He said, it's only by my spirit. He takes them back to that picture. Here's the lampstand. The nation of Israel. How's it going to stay lit? Well, it needs oil. Where's the oil going to come from? Well, it comes from the olive trees that produce the olives, but it was then attached through all that plumbing, all those pipes, so that it was a continuous, unending supply of oil, the oil being the Spirit of God. See, your strength will run out. The strength of the group will eventually run out but god's strength it will never run dry it will never run out his spirit is an unending source of strength and power to be able to accomplish his work from a human perspective this work seemed impossible people at this point would have been ready to quit god why are we still pushing on in this area god Why are we still trying to accomplish this work? It doesn't seem like anything is getting done. And God, through His prophet Zechariah, comes and reminds them, the way to accomplish great things for God is not in your strength, not in the strength of the collective. It is in the strength that comes from the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 8. He says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. Remember I told you the foundation was already done? But he says his hands shall also finish it. The same guy that laid the foundation, he's also going to be the one that completes the work. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. When he completes this work, you're going to know it was God that did the work. I love the next statement at the beginning of verse 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? You know, in life, there are always doubters. There are always people that will be so kind to let you know that they think you're going to fail. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying this? Don't you know others have tried this and failed? Why are you trying to walk with God? It would just be easier to be done. Think of Job's wife. You know, Job, your life's so terrible, you ought to just curse God and die. Just be easier. Even Job himself came to there where he said, I just wish I'd never even been born. That's somebody who's discouraged. Some people have experienced this in business, right? go to start a new business? They say, why do you do that? Why didn't you just keep the job that you have? Why did you go over and start this new thing? Don't you know most new businesses fail? They do this when you start a church too. Don't you know most new churches fail, close their doors? Well, the sad truth is new churches fail and old churches fail. Because churches aren't built by might or by power. Not our might, our power. Jesus Christ said it this way in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. It's only by his spirit. It's a work of God. But that isn't just something that's true in a church. That's true every In every area of life, your marriage can't be successful without the Spirit of God working through it. You trying to raise your children to please God, you can't do it in your own strength. You trying to live as a believer and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and stand for truth and righteousness, you're not strong enough to do it on your own. But by His Spirit, don't despise the day of small things. You may be in a point in your life, I know I've been there and I feel like I keep going back there all the time, When I just feel like it's small things once again. Just when I feel like I'm getting things figured out, God says, good, all right, here's something new, and I have no clue. Why? Because I think God wants to keep reminding us, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Maybe some of you remember these various stages in life, and hey, Young people, you're getting into these stages of life just when you feel like you're figuring it out and you graduate from kindergarten, then all of a sudden first grade hits. I remember in second grade in our school is when we learned how to write cursive. I don't even know if you learn cursive anymore. Do You still learn cursive in school? We did. That's how old I am. We didn't have uh, cell phones. We didn't have computers when I was in second grade to learn on I remember when we had our first computer in the classroom I was in fourth grade and we could play Oregon Trail it didn't look anything like computer games did today but I remember learning cursive in second grade and when we got done learning the whole alphabet in cursive one of my friends in class said well when do we get to learn how to write the cursive numbers he was so excited to learn cursive You know, when you get, I remember looking forward in kindergarten and first grade, I remember looking forward to second grade, learning how to write cursive. Because, boy, when you can write cursive, you're pretty much grown up. You've got life figured out. But you know what? I learned there were even more difficult things in life, more unknowns than those elusive cursive numbers that I found out later didn't exist. We thought maybe they should. And then, as you get a little bit bigger, I remember sixth grade. Sixth grade was one of the toughest years of school for me because my mom came and taught, and I could get away with stuff with other people, but when it was your mother teaching, she knew all my tricks, and she taught at our school that year. And uh, I got in more trouble in sixth grade than in all the rest of the years combined. It's not my mom's fault; it was mine. <laughs> I just just couldn't get away with my sin as easily when my mother was in the class. Did you know I was finishing sixth grade? I was top of the elementary school. But then seventh grade happened. The glorious junior high years. Everybody's favorite years. I remember my dad said when we hit junior high, we just needed to be taken and put in a box with a little hole in the top, and they just feed us through the hole and, you know, kind of let us work through those next few years. And I said, but Dad, what happens when you graduate from high school? He said, then we plug the hole. (laughs) It's tough growing up in my house. Barely survived, as you can tell. No, but you know how it is. You get through and into high school, and boy, by the time it's your junior, senior year, you're just walking around because you own the school now and all these little kids are just annoying and you know you're like I'm about to graduate and then well then you're back at the bottom of the pile again right and then some of you go out into the workforce others of you went on to college and you've seen that same thing happen over and over again just when you think you've got it figured out you're on to the next thing and it's exciting then all of a sudden you're back to the bottom of the pile and that's when everything's going well That doesn't add in then all the struggles and the trials and the difficulties and the sicknesses and the hard things that come in life. See, there are days that come when we feel like it's the days of small things. Small things are days when we feel weak. Days when I'm sure as Zerubbabel walked by that temple... Or the place where the temple was supposed to be built for 16 years and all it was was a foundation. Can you imagine as the leader how other people must have been whispering, why did this rubbable guy lead us back here to rebuild a temple? We've been looking at the same foundation for 16 years and there's nothing there. It's easy to despise the day of small things, isn't it? It's difficult when you're the leader. It's also difficult when you're the follower. Why do we keep following this guy? nothing's happening. We're still looking at the same piece of ground that we've been looking at for the last 16 years. I can imagine Zerubbabel was probably about ready to quit. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I know what people are like. People don't want to look at the same bare piece of ground for 16 years and believe a promise that maybe a temple is going to be built there sometime. They just say, forget about it. I'm going to go someplace else where it's easier. It's easy to despise the day of small things. It's hard to see past the mountain. It's hard to see when things look impossible for us to complete. I like this verse 10 though because that idea of despising the day of small things, it's posed as a question. Did you see it there? For who hath despised the day of small things? He says, for they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet. That's like the the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. So he kind of gets into some some imagery here. This seven that he's talking about, talks about the seven eyes. It was a a picture of the all-knowing knowledge of God, that he could see everything. And he says, they're going to see... Zerubbabel, there with his plumb line in his hand. That was a tool they would use in construction. As this temple is being completed, and the God who sees all things, he saw you in the day of small things, but he also, God knew that it would be completed in his time. God's going to see it all completed because that is God's plan. God told His people by a different prophet, a guy by the name of Haggai. In chapter 2, verse 5, He said this, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so My Spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. My friend today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has given you His Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to guide you, to direct you, to lead you, to strengthen you, to help you to understand God's Word. What an incredible thing it is that God has given us His Spirit. God had promised by His Spirit to lead His people. And for us today as Christians, God has promised to give us His Spirit That is, the Bible refers to in the New Testament as His earnest or His down payment, the confirmation of the fact that we have an eternal home in heaven and that God is with us. And as Romans 8 says, if God before us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's with us. He's there to encourage us. Number four. The Spirit of God works through the people of God to accomplish the work of God. Remember our vision that Zechariah had? The Spirit of God is the oil is working through the people of God that was Zerubbabel and Joshua to accomplish the work of God. His light on that candlestick it it never went out because God's promises never fail God never stops loving us God never stops working to fulfill his plan God did just as he promised We see this description in verses 11 through 14. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said to him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole world. Why was the work able to be accomplished? Because they stood. They were standing there because that's where God, who who is the Lord of the whole earth, that's where God had put them. So why did this work get done? Was it because Zerubbabel was just awesome? Was it because Joshua was just this great spiritual leader? No. No, it's because the Lord put them there. They were standing there, these two trees. They were standing there by right? The Lord of the whole earth, because the Lord had put them there. Why are you able to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish? It's through the strength of the Holy Spirit, and it's because God is the one who put you where he wants you to be to accomplish what he wants you to do. Isn't that encouraging? Like those trees, somebody planted them there, right? Those olive trees didn't just kind of get up and walk over there by themselves. Something or someone took a seed and planted it in the ground in that location, or took a tree that was already growing and dug it up and moved it over and planted it in that location so that it could grow in that place. And in the same way, God has put you exactly where He wants you to be so that if you will live a life that's filled with the Spirit of God and walk with God, He can accomplish the work that He wants you to accomplish, and He'll do it through you! Isn't that incredible to think about? How God takes us, just like a master gardener might take the seed of that olive tree and plant it in a particular location. Or or maybe he's got a little greenhouse over here where he's growing some little baby olive trees, and he takes them over, and he says, I need this one here, and I want this one planted over there, that one planted over there, and I need this right in that location. say, why is he doing all this? Because God has a plan. God says, if you'll live a life that's full of the Spirit of God, just like an olive tree produces those olives that has that oil that comes out of it, then I will accomplish my work to shine my light around this world to accomplish what I set out to do and I promised I would do. Remember what Jesus said? He he said at the end of the Great Commission, He says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God's Holy Spirit works through us to accomplish God's plan that He has for us in this world. What a thought. What a thought that God would do His work through Joshua and Zerubbabel. Isn't it amazing to think that God wants to do His work through you. I mean, if the picture, if the, if the oil is the Holy Spirit, why did He take all that time to put all that plumbing together, all those pipes and the bowl? I mean, couldn't He just had in His vision just this sort of heavenly fountain of oil that was just coming down and lighting that candlestick? He could. He's God, right? God doesn't need us. But God loves us, and He chooses to use us. I mean, God, if anybody's a master plumber, the Lord is. He could have made those pipes run anywhere else to get that source of that oil, but He he chose to have the source of that oil coming from those two olive trees that represented these two men, that as they were filled with the Spirit of God, were able to accomplish the work of God in that place. See, God's work in you and in your church and God's work in this dark day can be accomplished by His Spirit. God did just as He promised. He poured out from His unlimited supply of power and supply upon these two men. He worked through their leadership to revive His people, to restore their hearts for God and to rebuild the temple of God. And in spite of overwhelming odds and a lack of human resources, God made it happen. God made it happen. I believe by God's Spirit you can live a life of abundance even in times of discouragement. On Sunday evening, I got a call from Sandra Ratcliffe. She was feeling ill Sunday morning. And in her house, she fell and broke her hip. And I was talking with her Sunday night. and Joe and Sachiko Pete had called her as well. They drove to the hospital to visit her. And they're not able to be with us here tonight because she was getting out of the hospital today and they were sending her home, but she didn't have anybody to help her. And they said, Pastor, we'll pick her up. She can come to our house and we'll take care of her until we can get things figured out. What a blessing, right? God's people helping to do God's work to minister to her. But I was so encouraged by Sandra, because when I talked to her on Monday, she said, you know, Pastor, sometimes when hard, bad things like this happen, I start to wonder, why is God mad at me? And she said, and then I realized God's not mad at me. God just wanted to put me here in the hospital because he had some work for me to do here. And she had such joy in her voice, and she said, I've been able to talk about the Lord with so many different people while I've been here in the hospital. You look at Sandra, she's a lady with a few years on her. She's a lady who's probably not at the peak of her physical strength anymore. Definitely not by might. She was all alone. It wasn't like this collective group effort wasn't by the power of the group. and Why could she have such joy in such discouraging times? You say, well, the medication must have been really good. I know what you're thinking. Most Christians don't like to have faith in God. They'd rather have faith in medication. I've heard it many times. People like to explain away the work of God. Why? Because I believe she was allowing God's Spirit to work through her, to strengthen her, so that she could have the joy of the Lord, even in what really would be a very discouraging situation. See, you can live in a, a life of abundance, even during times of discouragement. Also by God's power, you can do the will of God. When the work of God seems impossible, it seems like a mountain too high to climb, through His Spirit, by His Spirit, He can make it plain. He can make it so you can walk through as the children of Israel did on dry ground. He can take a storm as Jesus did on the Sea of Galilee and He can speak and say, Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves ceased. They laid down. He can even say to all those lions that Daniel spent the night with, Close your mouths. The lions laid down. We serve a great God. I'm so thankful for God's Spirit that works in and through us. By His Spirit, you can live with power and blessing. See, God didn't call you to be mediocre. He didn't call you just to get by. He didn't call you to sit and and complain and be frustrated all the time about your situation. Or just to go around wasting your time or your money, your life. You're not called to weariness or frustration. You're not called to carnal living, to sin or self centered living, or or just to be a cynic. You're called to live beyond what you could accomplish on your own. You're called to abundance, to strength, to supernatural power and everlasting joy. You're called to the Spirit-filled life. You know, you can look around, and a lot of us do this sometimes, you can look around and find a lot to be discouraged about. You can look within yourself and all you will see are your own limitations. Or you can look up and see God's power and ask Him for a fresh Filling and anointing of His Spirit to accomplish the work that He has given for you and for me to do. Would you pray with me tonight that God would help you to fix your gaze on Him once again? To be reminded of the truth that just like those two men, Zerubbabel and Joshua, were placed where God wanted them to be able to accomplish His work through His Spirit, so too God has put you right where you're at in your life, in your job, in your family, in your neighborhood. He's put you right where you are and He's got a plan that He's working through you and allow His Holy Spirit to work through you. Confess your sin. Walk in the Spirit. Pray for the Spirit's work in and through you. And I believe we too will be able to say someday as we look back in our lives, not by might, no, definitely not by power, but by the Spirit of God. That's why we've been able to see God do so many wonderful things. Let's not despise the day of small things. Let's rejoice in what God is doing. Let's look ahead, look forward, trust in Him, and live by His Spirit's power. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we love You, and we thank You, So many times we live lives that are restricted because we're living within our own means and within the limits of our own strength. Lord, I pray that You would give us wisdom, first of all, to study Your Word, to know the truth, to experience the freedom that comes through Christ. Lord, to lay aside every sin Lay aside all the weights. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we need You. The song says, I need Thee every hour. Lord, we need You tonight. Some have come, are carrying the burdens of the day. Even as they look ahead, they're concerned and unsure of where to go. They may feel like what they're looking ahead to is a mountain that they cannot climb. They feel stuck. Lord, I pray that through Your Spirit's power working in and through them, You would make it plain. Lord, help us tonight. We need You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.